score bars, bottle caps, payday bars, and my voice. Sometimes you just can't get enough of the best things in life. Now you can enhance your multiplayer gaming podcast experience and get more of what you love, like two bonus episodes every week. Want early access? Want to stop hearing my ultra-cheesy intros and ad reads? Well, now you can by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts. Want amazing perks and to be the coolest person around in the Discord server? You can still support us over at MultiplayerSquad.com and earn our eternal gratitude. No, really. Our gratitude is forever. We'll love you forever. What do you mean I sound creepy? What? You're starting the episode right now. I was about to tell them about... Hello there. Thank you for listening to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast for some lighthearted, family-friendly discussions about video games. If you guys like what we do here, please leave a review and rate our show five stars. You can also support the show by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or becoming a Patreon supporter through MultiplayerSquad.com. Here on the show, we have two hosts. We are both dads and seasoned gamers. One of us is in our mid-30s, the other is in his early 40s, but I won't say which is which. (laughs) Although, you might be able to guess because one of us confessed their favorite candies include bottle caps and score bars, but we'll leave it as a riddle. We'll let our listeners try to figure it out. But my name is Paul. I'm joined here by Josh. What's the word, hummingbird? Hey, Sonny! (laughs) Get off my lawn, Paul. <laughs> wow. We're, we're, we're starting the show with the, uh, with the age references here, huh? You know, I wasn't sure how to introduce you. And when we created some new introductions for the show, which actually are people who support the show won't even hear the ads. But, you know, you have confessed of your love for bottle caps, which I still Delicious. think is the funniest take of all time. So <laughs> I thought, why not have a little bit of fun? You get your trolley intro. I'll just troll you a little bit in the introduction. That's fair. That, that's what it's I It's probably well-deserved, yeah. too. But, uh, okay, before we get back into this whole debate, who doesn't love soda-flavored sweet tarts? That's all bottle caps are, man. They are perfectly fine. Yes. I like basically all candy. You'd be very hard-pressed to find a candy that I would say I just won't eat. But on the... On the scale of candy, bottle caps for me are just like a two out of ten. They're still good, but relatively what? A speaking, two out they, of are, 10? Oh, they are so oh. low on the list. <laughs> That's terrible. Licorice is the one candy I will not touch with a ten foot pole. Oh, I cannot stand. Okay. I mean, black licorice. Like I know there's red licorice, but is that really licorice at that point? That's just like a red vine or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Red vines I love, Twizzlers I love. The Twizzler pull and peels are fantastic. But I'm with you on black licorice. I won't touch it. Like the old school good and plenties. That might be like the only candy I'm not willing to eat. I feel like black licorice was like what they had during like World War One, where there was yeah. just no option except for this really horrible tasting stuff. And if you wanted to say you had candy, like you just were stuck with that. And so people were like, Oh, <laughs> I love licorice. <laughs> I, I can't believe that the train is off the rails this much just you know two minutes into the show i have a very distinct memory in my head of my mom telling me that my grandfather loved blackjack licorice gum and she bought me a pack and i put the whole thing in my mouth thinking it was going to be like this delicious gum oh, that my no. grandfather loved and it is just ever since that moment i can't stand licorice i can't eat it i don't even want to smell it but that it's, strong black licorice gum was just so disgusting. Oh, I never was able to get it out of my head. That's when you realize that old people have no <laughs> taste buds at all, which is why they eat things right. like bottle caps and score bars. <laughs> yeah. Well, like these are the people who grew up in the 50s. Like all they ate was pot roast. Like, you know, the food Wait. was bland, nothing Wait, was salted. I love pot roast. What's they, wrong with pot roast? <laughs> pot roast is fine, but like that's all you ate in the 50s. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was all pot roast and steak. There was not like a whole lot of variety. I don't think very many people were, you know, cooking Asian food or anything, at least here in America. You know, it was a lot of leave it to beaver meat and taters. Yeah, yeah, TV dinner style stuff. Wow, Paul. Well, you know what? For a uh for a gaming podcast, man. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think that's, that's a, a little, little off brand. <laughs> yeah. All right. So before we jump into our bonus round content for today, you've got a review to read on the show. I do have a review. We are inching ever closer to the 250 mark. The deal stands, man. It's, you know, summertime. I get everybody's on vacation. People are swimming. It's busy. Don't forget about your favorite podcast, man. We need your reviews. And uh, and honestly, here here's why I'm reading this one, because we had the other one not very long ago where it was like, hey, I've been listening for like eight months now and I'm finally getting around to leaving a review. Yeah. And uh, this review uh, is it's better late than never is all I'm going to say. So this one comes in from Vi Ramey, v, v Rami, or it could just be seven Ramey. Okay. But I'm, I'm thinking it's Vi. So Vi Ramey. Uh, and it's titled Happiness. I like where this is going. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Been listening to y'all for months now. Y'all make me want to play all these games. Sorry it took me so long to review. I listen to y'all at work, and it definitely helps the days go by. Number one, hello, fellow Southerner. I say y'all yep, as well, because yep, yep. I spent lots of time in Louisiana. <laughs> so That's the very first thing I was going to say. I was going to say, we all know where this person lives. That was a lot yep. of y'alls. It is. Hey, but I'm down with the y'all for sure. And then, you know, way to confess that. Honestly, I like that. Been listening for months. Finally got around to leaving the review. This could be you, fellow listener, who has not left us a review yet. What are you waiting for? Yeah, we love our longtime listener, first time reviewers. You know, no, no shame in that whatsoever. That's right. <laughs> All right. So for this episode here, this is a bonus round episode. We do these every other Monday where we dive into some kind of topic or we answer uh, listener questions. We do something that's not a deep dive episode, which we do on those weeks in between bonus rounds. And recently we started doing this thing where we each make a top five list of a certain gaming topic, and then we kind of just bounce back and forth. We share our lists. We talk about it. You had the idea for the topic this week, Josh. Why don't you tell the people what this bonus round's about? I'm excited for this one, and it's not because I picked this one, Paul. I mean, normally I try to hype up my ideas and squelch yours, mm -hmm. you know, um, sure. but I, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm excited on this one, man. And we're talking top five video game moments like in-game moments like not like hey that one time i you know got the the first choice of loot from that you know wow raid or something like that like these are moments that happen in a video game that stand out to you i always joke around that they give me chills like my you know the goosebumps on my arms like i know that something is is hitting home whether it's a song or a game moment if i get goosebumps on my arms and so i think all of these moments did that for me, or I just look at the screen and I go like, no way. And I like <laughs> yeah. legitimately just like exclaim in awe about what's happening. And so that's the idea for tonight. Yeah. So these might be major plot reveals. It could be the death of a certain character. It can be a surprise ending. I think it's fair to say we're going to have a lot of spoilers about a lot of games. So I think we'll do our best to start talking about the game in general, and then we'll start to dive into some of those spoilers. But I don't think we're talking about anything, or at least on my list, nothing that's terribly spoilerish from the last year or two. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty confident in saying that. So I don't think any of my stuff will be all that crazy anyway. There's going to be some mega spoilers, but yeah, none of my games are in the last year or so. Um, so don't tune out just because of that. And and again, we'll mention the game first. So if it's like, hey, I haven't played that, I don't want to hear anything about it. You know, you can just skip forward on that part. But I, yeah, I'm I'm excited on this one, man. Uh, it's I, I it, it it was fun to go down like memory lane, and then I actually I was telling you before we started recording that I actually went and like rewatched the gameplay footage like from these moments, and then in every one of them I was just like enthralled again. Where I was like, oh oh yeah, this is the best, man. <laughs> yeah, so. I think a lot of I think a lot of what ended up on my list are like plot reveals that you just can't believe that this game did it. Like that's a lot of mine. Mine were just moments where my jaw dropped to the floor and it was like, what they did that. And so that's like a lot of what made up my list here. 
So I don't think we have these specifically ordered one, two, three, four, five. We just each came up with our top five. I don't think we'll be giving them in any specific order. And then if time allows, as always, we've got some honorable mentions. So how about you hit us up with the first one, Josh? What you got as one of your top five gaming moments? All right. I got to say this, too. I love these top five lists. We've only been doing them for, I don't know, this is like, what, the third episode that we've done like a top five? But it's I so, think it might be our second, but yeah. Is it, it's so fun because like I love that the people that are listening right now are instantly, like in their minds, are picking out like, oh, yeah, that's an awesome game moment. That's an awesome game moment. And it's like, are we going to see eye to eye? Are they going to have like <laughs> terrible takes? You know, is like I, mm-hmm. I just I'd love to hear about people's list too. So after the show, if you want to hop in the Discord server and tell us what your top five list is, come join us in Discord, and then you know I'll either agree with you or I'll tell you why that's a terrible choice. But all right, <laughs> in no particular order, this is actually just kind of how I wrote them down. All right, so this first moment. I think I've mentioned this one before. You're not going to get this one, Paul, because you did not finish this game. But the game is Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, Now, I already know what moment you're talking about, but go ahead. I am on record for saying that I think Jedi Fallen Order was game of the year material, and it came out of nowhere. I mean, people knew that this game was coming out. It wound up being way, way better than I ever expected it to be. Now, I am a, a huge Star Wars fan, but I don't think you have to be to appreciate Jedi Fallen Order. But in this game, I got got to set it up a little bit, right? So you are Cal Kestis. You you start off like not even realizing you have the force in the beginning of the game. And then throughout the game, you slowly get stronger. And you're slowly developing your force powers and your lightsaber abilities. And towards the end of the game, you're pretty much like a badass Jedi at that point, right? Like you really do spend all game just getting stronger and stronger and then realizing like, man, I'm, I'm... this guy's he's good, right? And the final boss in the game is this lady called Inquisitor Trilla. There's a whole bunch of plot that goes into all of this, but the final fight with her is super tough. Like I tried this fight probably 20 times. Now I played it on a hard difficulty level too, but I just remember I was so excited when I finally beat this boss. I knew it was the last boss of the game. And there's, you know, there's some talking between characters. You have a a friendly character that is like, that knows Trilla and is saying like, I failed you. She thinks she kind of pushed her to the dark side. So there's this whole like emotional moment going on and you're trying to like get her to like, you know, turn back towards the light. And then all of a sudden in the background, Paul, Mm -hmm. some steam (laughs) starts to rise, right? Which happens, right? Star Wars space stations are very steamy. Sure. Yeah. And then all of a sudden... Through the steam dun, comes dun, dun, freaking dun, dun, comes dun, Darth dun. Vader, right? He has not <laughs> right. been mentioned. He has not been talked about. This game does no mention of Darth Vader at all up until this moment. And he comes walking up and he just ices Trilla because she failed. And then you're like, okay, the one lady, your companion is like, you need to go now because she knows nobody's messing with Darth Vader. You actually take a couple swings at him. The game actually, like, you think you're about to fight Darth (laughs) Vader, right? Like, you take a couple swings. He blocks him like it's nothing. You try to, like, force power something. And without even looking, man, he just just locks that thing into place. Like, you instantly realize in about 20 seconds, oh, no, I'm toast. And then you just run (laughs) because that's (laughs) all you can do. But that moment in this game where Vader comes out and you realize... You are you are a bug compared to Darth Vader, you know, and you've spent all game man, all game getting stronger and stronger. And then you realize like the difference. I just remember being blown away. It was the coolest reveal in a game. It was the coolest like set piece because you actually have to run from him and he comes after you for a little bit. You know, and oh man, I can you tell I was hyped up. I, I, well, I rewatched like the cutscene and everything <laughs> and I got pumped all over again for it. I have seen that sequence on YouTube because you did mention it once before and I went and watched it. But yeah, I did not get that far in my playthrough. But I'm really glad that they handled Darth Vader that way because it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for this, you know, newly found Jedi power to be able to use the force and then fight Darth Vader. You know, it wouldn't make any sense. So, you know, I really like the way that they handle that because, you know, if Luke couldn't fight Vader after lifting some rocks on Dagobah, then neither should Cal. So kind of makes sense. All right. So we got Josh's first pick there. 
I am taking a look at my five, trying to decide which one to talk about first. I think I'm going to talk about Portal 1. Ooh. Now, we are both on record loving Portal. I think most people who think about a major uh, event in Portal probably thinks about opening the portal to the moon in Portal 2. It was a consideration (laughs) for me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. I thought about it. But for me... I thought that there were two, some kind of cheating here. I'm doing a two for one in Portal 1. But I loved how in Portal, they set this whole game up where you wake up and GLaDOS is the AI robot who's having you run all these trials on these preset courses that have all these puzzles to solve. And you start to realize that GLaDOS is evil. And then all of a sudden, you start portaling your way out of the trials. Like you go you know, off into a stairwell behind and then you're up in the rafters and then you start reading these notes that other people have left and you start to kind of piece all the parts of the puzzle together. And I remember that that was such an exhilarating moment because you actually break out of the trials and you start running around in the background. And that I thought was so exciting and so clever to do in the game. And then the two for one along with that is the fact that when you do end up fighting GLaDOS at the very end, you basically kind of disassemble her piece by piece. You throw all these pieces into a fire and then it goes to the closing credits. And I know that we've talked about this on the show before, but the closing song is sung by GLaDOS providing commentary on the experience of the game and how she talks about even though you destroyed her that she still won because it was all of the research that needed to be done. And all of that is complete. You played your role in running all these calculations and numbers. And ultimately she is still alive and ultimately she won. And that game just fused so many wonderful things together. The humor, the plot reveals the gameplay, everything about it was so great. And then even that closing song still alive is a great song. Every once in a while, I'll play it on my Google Home because it's it's just so great. It is so really I, I amazing. Had, yeah, I had to give a shout out to Portal. I it's funny, man, because the moon thing was the one like I thought about that one as like one of those crazy moments because the game doesn't really tell you like, hey, shoot this portal at the moon. It's just that you can see the moon and everything that's going on, and it's like somehow naturally your brain just goes like, I wonder, you know, yeah. and then that works, but. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're you're in just that laboratory setting in Portal, and then all of a sudden, it's like peeling back the curtain a little bit, and you start to see what's going on behind the scenes, and yes. it really does just add to like the mystery of that game. It's part of what sets it apart so much. And I I remember those levels, and it is man, it's incredible because you just you're spending all this time doing these tasks and everything that Glados has you doing, but then it's like you kind of get behind the curtain. And if I remember right, she doesn't know you're back there, does she? Well, she definitely eventually figures it out because she will make little sarcastic comments like, don't even look over there, don't go over there. And of course, that's exactly what you have to do. But yeah, it's almost like where you finally get a one-up on GLaDOS and that feels really exciting and you can't wait to see where it goes next. Yeah. So I I know we both love Portal. Had to throw that one out there. are those games such masterpieces, (laughs) man? They really really are. Oh, man. All right. Um, Okay, so next one for me... All right, uh, let's go with the, the the mega reveals, right? Since you just talked about reveals a little bit. The game is called Bioshock. Okay. Now, it's a little bit older now. I don't remember when the initial Bioshock came out. I feel like it was probably around 2010 or so, maybe even older than that. But Bioshock was great. The gameplay was great. The, it set this, you know, this world of rapture that's underwater, and you 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 slowly kind of discover that things have gone crazy. But the whole time you're playing Bioshock and you're in Rapture, you've got this friendly Irish fellow named Atlas that's just talking in your ear. He's kind of keeping you company. He's kind of telling you what's going on. You know, he's super polite. He's always saying, hey, you know, would you kindly go over here and check that out? Would you kindly go over there and talk to that person? Uh, there's a big bad guy by the name of Andrew Ryan. That's kind of the the guy that owns or controls all of Rapture. And, you know, he's like a big tyrant and stuff. So this Atlas guy really doesn't like Andrew Ryan. 
and they start to kind of quarrel and bicker and stuff like that. And ultimately in Bioshock, you go to find Andrew Ryan and kill him. But when you do that, all of a sudden your friendly Irish buddy Atlas, his entire demeanor changes, his voice changes, and he starts to reveal to you Mm-hmm. That he is actually a guy by the name of Frank Fontaine that had a falling out with Andrew Ryan long ago. And that's when this big reveal happens that this guy has been tricking you the entire game. Yeah. And that part alone is mind blowing because that is like the big aha moment, right? And you're like, dude, I can't believe, like, I thought you were friends with me. You've been chatting with me the whole time. So they dropped the one bombshell. But then, like Inception, there is a bombshell within a bombshell, Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he reveals to you that you are a pawn, and he has been mind-controlling you this entire time. Because every time he says, would you kindly, that is the trigger to force you to do whatever he wants you to do. So this is almost like Winter Soldier type stuff, right? Like, you're kind of your person, your own person, until he says, would you kindly? And in the game, you don't even realize it. Like, you go to do, he's like, hey, would you kindly go over there? And you do it because you're like, yeah, sure, that sounds like a great idea. And then it's like, you realize he's been forcing you to do this stuff the entire game. It was one of the most mind-blowing game reveals, I think, ever. It's one of those things like the ending of The Sixth Sense, and then when you go back and you play Bioshock again, you really appreciate it even more because you see all those things along the way. By the way, is this why you named your dog Atlas? Is he named after it is Atlas not, from no. Bioshock? I love mythology, so Atlas actually got named after the Atlas that holds up the, the planet. Yeah, Sure. Yeah, that is a good one. I did enjoy Bioshock. I don't think I finished the second one, and then I jumped back in for number three. It was one of those series that I always liked. I just... I know I did not finish all three, but I know the first one I did, and that was quite a shock. Yeah, that that moment three has a really amazing moment too. Bioshock Infinite has another one of those like aha moments at the end. I don't remember a moment in two, to be honest. Bioshock two doesn't really stand out to me for whatever reason, but I do know like Infinite has one. So maybe if we get into the the honorable mentions, I'll talk about that one a little bit, but. That that series just does such a good job of messing with your mind. And even when you're expecting it, like by the third one, you know, like, hey, there's something that's going to be going on, but you can't foresee it. And so when they start to put the puzzle together, like that's the part that I love because you can see the flashbacks throughout the game and realize that all of these things have been happening, but you just didn't know any of it until it's like revealed to you. And it's, it's perfect storytelling. Yeah, it's very cleverly written. And, and yeah, that, that reveal definitely stands out. All right. The second one that I have on my list, I'm going to go with a game that you and I have both played. We've played it together. Ooh. And this is not like a story reveal, but it's more of the first time that you see something in a game. And I wanted to talk about Valheim because we love Valheim. We just picked up Tribes of Midgard. We're going to be playing that here later tonight. And it really kind of put me back in the Valheim mood, and I really just wanted an an excuse to talk about it. But when we first started playing Valheim, you, me, and Todd did not do really any research. We had just heard it was great. We said, all right, we're going to jump in blind. We're just going to buy it. And we started playing. And as soon as we started venturing away from our camp, the first time that I ran into a troll was one of those mind-blowing experiences. It was so great. (laughs) And we were all uh, together on Discord, and I remember just yelling, you guys have to come here, there's a giant troll. And I remember I was walking up an incline, and then I hit the very top of this hill, and I just see this massive blue troll head. And as I keep going up all the way to the crest, I can see the full troll's body. These trolls are, what? Like huge. 40, 50 times the, the size and the mass of your character. I mean, they yeah. are enormous. Yeah, that part, I'll tell you what, you were the first one to see it, but I remember you getting super excited and you got, you were like, guys, come here now. I need your help. Like, there's this huge thing. I think it's a troll. Maybe it's a giant. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I just remember thinking, like, yes, like they did it. Like, because at that point, <laughs> you'd only ever seen the little graylings. 
and yeah. or like, like the part deer. of you right yeah it, like part of you was just like how awesome would it be in this game if they had like really cool monsters or these things that you had to be really scared of like maybe they're kind of rare but and when you started yelling about that i just remember getting so excited because it was like that moment where I, I realized Valheim is going to be incredible. Like, if they're putting this stuff in the game, what else is there going to be? Right? Like, and and it was awesome. And we we <laughs> we did. We all swarmed that guy, man. Like, we were plinking him with arrows, and we did. We killed him. Yeah, um, it was a long fight, though. I remember I didn't even want to fight it at first. I assumed we would be too weak. I think it was Todd. Todd just like opened with arrows. He's like, all right, well, let's fight this guy and just start zinging arrows. And I remember that we had not very good weapons. It was a couple minute long fight, but yeah, I thought that was such a fun moment. It really was just like that childhood glee of exploring and running into something that was almost like the scene in Jurassic Park when they first see the, you know, whatever they're called, the Brachiosauruses or whatever. That was how I felt seeing the troll. It was just, I did not expect to see anything of that size and stature. And the fact that we fought it and defeated it and then looted its head and threw it on the ground and had this massive troll head in our base. It was hilarious. I, I had to include it. It was either going to be that or the first time you chop a tree and it falls on you oh, and you die. Oh my goodness. I was, <laughs> was going to pick one or the other, but I felt like the troll reveal was the, the better one. That was the better one in the sense that it gave you an idea of what this game was going for. The tree, yes. the chopping the tree and having it fall on you and kill you was absolutely hilarious. And that's when you realize like the developers like cared about their game and wanted like little things like that, you know, in it that were like, hey, if a tree falls on you, guess what? You're dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in real life, right? Yeah. You got to be careful. Yep. Yeah. So, oh, what a good moment. Dude, see, that's one. I didn't even think about that. And then when you started talking about it, like I just got the fuzzies like right away because it was like, yeah, man, that was great. It was kind of like the sea serpent out at sea. Now you weren't there for that oh, one, but that was another moment. Yeah. See, this is what made Valheim so great was you know we've told the story of Todd and I sailing out at sea for an hour and then on me your being little terrified raft. yeah on a tiny little raft and then me googling furiously are there monsters at sea and people were like <laughs> yes there are and then i just i was convinced we were going to die the whole time but the first time we saw one i was like i told you so <laughs> so yeah, yeah valheim was just such a treasure the way i started making my list of top moments i just went to steam and I glanced at every game and just thought, what's the first thing I think of? And is that something that I'd want to talk about? And when I saw Valheim, I thought about the trolls, the trees, the first time we fought a goblin. Like, that game was so fun. And I think a lot of it was that we did not know what to expect. Jumping in blind to games is just sometimes the best way to do it. It really is. I mean, there's so yeah. many moments in Valheim. The stupid death skeetos. You know, like you said, the goblins. Me getting <laughs> impaled by the goblins. Like, how many corpse runs did we have to do because of those stupid mosquitoes? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, goodness. The de death skeetos. That's what they're called, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're almost halfway in the episode. Let's just take a quick break, and we'll be back after hearing from one of our sponsors. All right, Paul. You know we love our listeners, so it's time to help them out. You see that guy listening? Yeah, that guy plays games using his earpods from his phone. I know it's a travesty. Well, we're here to help out. Head over to MultiplayerPodcast.com slash Logitech and see what you've been missing out on. From mice to keyboards to headsets and everything in between, they've got something that's sure to improve your gaming experience. The best part is they won't break the bank, and since they're extremely high quality, you know they're going to last. Do yourself a favor and improve your game over at MultiplayerPodcast.com slash Logitech. All right, Josh, I think we've each covered two thus far. What you got for your third top gaming moment? Oh, boy. I think I'm going to save this next one. So let me hop in. All right, here's a moment. I, if, you, if you know it, you know it is all I'm going to say. And the game is Halo 3. Okay. Okay. It is the ending sequence of Halo 3. Now, to set the stage a little bit, in Halo 3, this is when you have discovered that the Flood is in existence. You've discovered the purpose of the rings, the Halos, right? And those they're weapons to wipe out the Flood, to destroy all the life in the, the universe or galaxy or whatever it is. 
and you're on this ring, but it's not 100% complete, but you're like, hey, we're, we've got to light this ring, the flutter overrunning everything. And at the end of this halo, you hop in a warthog, you've activated the ring, and you are fleeing for your life. And I cannot think of a more spectacular like moment or series of moments in a video game than when you are madly trying to just drive this warthog as fast as you possibly can. There are things blowing up around you. There are just hordes of covenant everywhere. You're driving over them. You're, you're, you're splatting them. You're firing at them from the back, you know, you're from the back seat. These panels, because you're on part of the ring are blowing up next to you. You're ramping things. You're going through tunnels the Halo music is just blaring, you know. It's just, dude. I, like, I'm getting amped just talking about it. And did you play? Did you play this? I see. I don't. You were PlayStation at the time, right? You didn't have a, an well, Xbox then, did you? I. Uh, this was on the 360. Uh, yes, I, I believe. Yeah, it was 360. Yeah, I I played all the Halos except for Halo Five. And the thing for me is, I would always play through the campaign once. And then spend a thousand hours or more in the multiplayer. I don't think I could tell you a single thing about any of the Halo storylines. It was kind of in one ear, out the other. I know I enjoyed them, but for me, it was just always so much about multiplayer. I never returned to the campaigns. Nothing really stuck. I know I beat Halo 3. I have zero memory of this moment. What? Even though I have heard both you and Todd talk about this moment, jumping with the Warthog and all that. I I have no personal memory of it. Oh, I don't know man. why. You probably just blocked it out from sheer awesomeness, Paul. You know? <laughs> it could be. I mean, I only have so much Halo room. I probably just, you know, replaced it all with memories of sniping uh, in Halo 1. Like, I just have thousands of hours sniping in Halo 1, and that's really what I remember most. Yeah, it was just, it was one of those moments. Halo had two of those moments for me. Like, yes, the story was a little weird, like when you first, you know, find out about the flood and all that stuff. But when you very first step out onto the Halo ring in the first Halo, and it's all this like green lush area and stuff, like that's a really, really cool moment. And then in Halo 3, this escape sequence, it's like a five minute sequence. And it is white knuckle holding the controller. There's just a thousand things going on at once, and the whole time you're trying not to get distracted by the 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 stuff that's exploding and the hordes of Covenant, and you've got to you've got to drive, man. Like if you've got to just floor it, and you've got to avoid these holes in the ground where these panels have like collapsed and stuff like that. It's just an amazing like sequence in the game, and like it just stands out to me. Like that was one of those things when I was thinking about it. I was like, dude, the ending of Halo Three is incredible. <laughs> I wish I remembered it. It makes me want to go back and play Halo. Like I, I can't wait for Halo Infinite to come out. I will be really tempted to pay for the campaign, even though the multiplayer is free, because I love single player campaigns like that. And I, I think it's just too much time. I just don't remember. So yeah, yeah I, I wish I did though. <laughs> All right. For my next game that I'm going to talk about, this one might be a little bit of a shorter story. But did you ever play Telltale's The Walking <gasps> Dead? Oh my goodness, Paul. Are, is, this is this on this your the list? Clem and Lee? Yes, this is Clem it's and Lee. It's on my list! Is it? It's okay. on my list! That's the one I said I was going to save. <laughs> do you want me to, to save it for later then? No, no, we do you it go now? for it. Because uh, we'll just do, we'll do right. a two for one here. So the Telltale games, I think most people are at least aware of what they are. But basically they take these other IPs. And they make these games where you play inside that world. You get to make a lot of decisions. I even made a joke not that long ago in Discord where I don't even remember. Someone made some kind of joke and I typed, Paul will remember that. And that was like my throwback joke to the Telltale games. And The Walking Dead, I loved season one of The Walking Dead oh, so, so much. I hated and loved the the various seasons of that show. That show was simultaneously the best and the worst show on TV. When they were stuck on the farm with Herschel oh, for a whole season, it was terrible. Was I know. Yeah. So I, I had this whole love of The Walking Dead. I am on record for how much I love games that are more like interactive movies. Spoiler alert, I got one of those coming up later also. But The Walking Dead was one that was so fun, and it put you in such... 
a sad, depressing world, which is normally not my jam, but the game has decisions that matter, and they have implications on the rest of the game. And this poor girl, Clementine, who has lost her parents in this zombie outbreak, ends up with Lee as a father figure. Lee ends up being bitten and is going to turn. And you have these closing moments between Clem and Lee where they both know that Lee's going to turn. And you have a decision. And now Clem is a little girl. Like, I don't remember how old she is. She's a cute, sweet little girl, man. She's like eight or nine? Yeah, she's like nine years old. She's trying so hard to be like the good kid in the game and to be strong. And she's just been beaten down. I mean, like you said, man, she watched her parents die. She's all by herself. You wind up picking her up in this game. It's just, it's tragic what this poor girl has gone through. Yeah. And then Clem, who's this like awesome guy winds up like you said winds up being a father figure to her winds up taking care of her throughout this whole game they get closer and closer like this is straight up by the end of the game like father daughter bond that they have yeah and so your choice is whether clementine is going to shoot lee and that way he will be spared this you know his body being used as a zombie to go kill others or if she's going to turn away and just leave him and let him be. And I think when you play it, you know that the right answer is to shoot Lee. And the game knows that you know that, but they know that you're going to be heartbroken over that decision. But you have to do it. Like, everyone I know shot and killed him, but it is one of the saddest moments in gaming. You do not see it coming. It is just absolutely heart-wrenching, and I think it's one of those moments that anyone who played it cannot forget that moment i this is on my list as well paul it's so funny because i even said when we started talking about this topic i was like i don't think we're gonna have any overlap you know (laughs) and and i was like maybe there's one game i said i don't even know if you've played it and this is the one that i kept saying maybe one right yeah and I mean, this is one of the first things that jumped out when I started thinking about video game moments because this will legit make you cry. I don't know that I have ever felt so emotional in a video game. You know, like, and I love these. I've I've talked about like Firewatch is a great like little story. You know, it doesn't have those kind of moments, but th- I don't know that there is another game that has a moment like this. Like, there are characters that die in video games and they're dramatic and stuff, but in in the walking dead when you realize what has happened to lee and that he got bit and clementine realizes it the whole tone just changes and for the next like i don't know 10 15 minutes of this game it's you know you're not you're not in a safe place so you have to get to safety and he got bit and so it's like they have to they have to like focus on just getting somewhere safe but then when they do that's when the realization hits that Lee is gone, man. You got bit. Yeah. There's no, there's no turning back from there's that. There's no right? cure. Like, yeah, nothing. Exactly. You can do. And that's when you're watching and you're just like, oh my goodness, man. Like this isn't happening. And then you start to realize that Clementine has to deal with this. And it's like you just start welling up inside, man. And Clem's or, or Leah's like going, like he's telling her, "Hey, you have to take, you, like you have to end this. You have to shoot me." And she's crying, and she's like, "No." And Lee just looks so heartbroken that it's like he's leaving her and can't protect her. And yeah. can't protect her exactly. And dude, I can't. <laughs> I'm getting sad just thinking about it, man. You know, and well, then because. <laughs> Because like video games do such a good job at instilling excitement and exhilaration, and you're used to that kind of adrenaline pump from the action, that when a game hits you in the feels like that, sometimes you just aren't ready. Because that's this is a scene that's in every zombie movie that's ever been made, right? Every zombie movie you see, someone has blood that drips in their eye if it's... um uh 28 days later or if it's something else where a a character gets bit and they hide the bite with their jeans or their long sleeve t-shirt and you know they're gonna turn that's in everything but for whatever reason in the walking dead 
it's animated. You don't really expect it. You don't expect one of the main characters to die in that kind of fashion. So it really does kind of creep up on you, even though it is a very common trope. But it, it is. was very memorable. And the, the the real kicker on this is is it's it's like you said, you have a choice to make and both choices absolutely suck. Like yeah. that's the thing, because you play at like you make the decisions as the characters in this game. And so you have to decide are you gonna shoot Lee or are you just gonna turn around and walk away? And it's not that you're turning around and walking away out of like any kind of spite. It's that Clem loves him, man. Like that's her father figure. He's done everything he can for her and so to bring herself to shoot him is almost impossible and so and that's the like the thing in the game is you're like dude i don't want to make either one of these decisions but you you have to and it's like you said everybody knows like yeah you're supposed to shoot him but you don't have to and if you don't like you, you know, she turns around and she walks away and that's its own thing. And if you do shoot them, so it, it actually affects like the ending of the game as well, which I love. And that just follows like how great the, the telltale games are because your choices matter. And so you will see what happens later on in her life if she chooses to shoot them or what happens if she just walks away. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. That's so funny that we both had that, but man, what a, that game's a masterpiece of, of storytelling and, and emotions. And I guess I don't think a game's ever made me cry before, but that one got me like teary eyed, man. It's way better than any season of the show, which is really saying something. Cause when the show worked, it worked really well, but I still think that this telltale series on the walking dead was just better, but poor Clementine, man, what a way to traumatize a kid, you know, and me, she's seen a lot <laughs> by nine years old. <laughs> All right. So even though we both had it, Josh, go ahead. You're, you're up next. What All else right. do you have on your list? So this is my last uh, official one. I've dug into this well before a little bit, Paul. I have not done anything to hide my love of this game. But this is one of the reasons why I absolutely love this game so much. And that game is God of War. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now I know you're gonna like. Which okay, God of War? Wait a minute. The the newest one, the 2018 right. PlayStation 4 God of War. And I'm a huge mythology fan. I, I I you know I talked about the God of War series was one of my favorite gaming series. So I have a lot invested into this personally, right? But in the 2018, so this is the most recent game that I'll talk about. So if you haven't played God of War and you don't want any spoilers at all, skip ahead just a little bit. Um. In God of War, I love the fact that Kratos is a father to his son, right? And he might just refer to him as boy, right? This yeah. whole time. Good but in Atreus, the game, was that his name? Uh, Atreus? Atreus. Atreus, Atre- yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really, well, I don't want to give away too much. But so <laughs> yeah, yeah, at yeah. one point, you're fighting this, this guy and the boy starts to like go crazy. But then he passes out and he gets really, really ill, right? Like deathly ill. And you wind up rushing him to Freya, who's another god that can heal him. That's, you know, Kratos is kind of trusting her. And she says, hey, look, you have to go to Helheim, which is the land of the dead, right? To get like the bridge keeper's heart or she needs something. I don't remember the exact details to to heal your kid. And so obviously, you know, you're, you're Kratos. You're going to do what you need to do. But she tells you, hey, this is the land of the dead in Norse mythology. And she says, are you familiar with the land of the dead? And it's this one little (laughs) quip, right, where Kratos says, not here. Because he tears up the land of the dead (laughs) in In his own own, mythology. Um, But she she tells him, like, hey, your axe is going to be useless because, you know, he's got the Leviathan axe. But in the old God of War, he has the Blades of Chaos, which are the blades that are at the ends of the chains and all that stuff. They're super awesome weapons. Um, but, you know, people always wondered, like, hey, where are these? Like, why does he have this axe now? Like, the axe is cool. Don't get me wrong. But she says, hey, your axe is going to be worthless. You're going to need to find another weapon. And you just kind of grunt and you're like, okay. So then you go home. Mm-hmm. There's this long boat ride. You, you know, Athena's kind of messing with your head a little bit. You go into your little cottage. You start digging under the floor, you pull out this little bundle, and that's when like the realization starts to hit. And that's when you're like, oh no. Is it, it no? Because they don't mention him at all in the whole game, yeah. right? Like you just think, hey, he's turned, he's got a completely new life. Like that's the past. The past is the past. And he pulls out this bundle and he slowly unwraps it, and it's the blades of chaos. 
and and that's when you're like oh yes right <laughs> like you just start getting excited and then Athena's kind of talking to him and he's slowly wrapping the chains around his forearms because if you remember they were like fused to his forearms which is why he wears the bandages right there so he's wrapping these chains around his forearms this big long process and then it's just like you go outside, you kind of say something to Athena, you go outside and there's this instant fight where you just get to put these things to use. And you well the crap out of everyone around you. And you wreck <laughs> house, man. You really and it's do. like, it's like, I, look, I got chill bumps right now, right? Because it's just like, the, like, what a moment in a video game to get you amped up. The realization that what's about to happen. Now, there's some really cool dialogue and plot points that go into that whole thing too. So that really helps, like with the the like the reveal and the process. And then to go outside your house and just wreck it, man! Like instantly to put these things to use. It was one of the coolest moments in a video game to me. I I love it, man. I just got so excited talking about it all over again. My memory might be wrong, but I. I I think they also play a lot of really epic music as he uncovers the chains and starts to bind them back to himself. And so I remember it just being such an epic moment in that game. It was definitely a turning point. And it was really cool, especially having played the earlier God of War trilogy where you understand exactly what's happening. Yeah. yeah. It, like, yeah. there's so much to it. I mean, it's the dad doing what he's got to do to go save his son. I, you know, I mean, it, it, I, I love it because it plays into, like, the why I love Kratos in that game so much, even though, like, people joke that he doesn't have a ton of dialogue and stuff like that. Like Or personality. It's a, yeah. But it's <laughs> yeah. a glimpse into, like, him, you know? Yeah. And if you've played as him throughout this whole series, it's just such a dynamic thing. That was one of those moments that I instantly was like, oh, man, if I'm going to talk about something, I'm talking about that point because I'm <laughs> jonesing to play it again now. Yeah, yeah. Such a cool moment. All right. So I guess I have my last two and then we'll see if we have time for honorable mentions. This is one where we're going to have to just nerd out a little bit about some fantasy game details. But I wanted to bring up a certain moment in Dragon Age Origins which we both love. Phenomenal game. Great game. The best of the series so far, at least in my opinion. And to very briefly give you some summary, basically it takes place like with dwarves and elves and humans, you know, it's kind of typical fantasy stuff. And the dark spawn are these like demonic creatures that come out from underground tunnels and they only come out when there is a new archdemon. And I think the archdemon is like one of the old gods who somehow gets let loose or whatever. And then they start what they call the blight and all these dark spawns start pouring out from underground tunnels. And you find out that the only way you can end a blight is by a gray warden slaying the archdemon. Now, you don't really know why, and this is one of the best things about Dragon Age Origins, is that you slowly learn all of this really complicated lore over the course of like a 60-70 hour playthrough. But in the beginning, you get turned into someone called a Grey Warden, and the way you do that is by going through a ritual where you drink dark dark spawn blood, and a lot of people just die from it. But if you do survive, you suffer from nightmares for the rest of your life, but you can also sense where the dark spawn are. But the big reveal at the end is that you find out why a gray warden has to slay the archdemon. And it's because if you kill an archdemon, it's like soul will go to the nearest dark spawn and then take over that body. Well, as a gray warden, you have what they call the taint. So it thinks that you are a dark spawn, but it'll actually kill the Grey Warden instead, thereby also destroying the Archdemon's soul. And so you find out at the end of this game that you're going to die if you fight and kill this Archdemon. But then you get hit with this crazy solution out of right field where your longtime companion Morrigan, who you may or may not have romanced in the game, says, hey, we can conceive a child tonight. I can do some of my crazy witch magic and it's going to come into the baby instead, so you'll live, and I'm going to raise this demigod, but I'll teach him to do right. And it's like, it, at the end of this game, this is all just so bananas. You don't know what to do. You don't know what choice is right. The idea of, of using a baby in this way feels wrong, but then if you don't do it, Morgan leaves your party, and she's just gone for the rest of the game. 
And I felt like that was such a neat reveal that it kind of clicks into place all these details about the Grey Warden that you just didn't really know. You just kind of accept it at face value. Okay, only the Grey Wardens are capable of killing the Archdemon, but that's actually not the fact. There's actually a lot of deeper lore that comes into it. And then in later games, Morrigan does show up with a child if you made that decision in Origins and load that save into your later Dragon Ages. You can actually talk to Morrigan's child. And, and I just thought that was such a cool development in Dragon Age. I had to bring it up. It's amazing because it's been a long time since I've played Origins, but I do remember that whole thing with the Grey Wardens. And it's like when you first start playing, you're just like, oh, yeah, Grey Warden. They're like a hero, right? Like, you know, they, they've got like, you know, you just think you're just some heroic guy or champion or something like that. And then the game doesn't have an amazing job of slowly revealing like more and more about the gray wardens, like you said, but it's funny because I do remember the arch demon part. And I do remember that you have to make this choice, but what's so bananas about it is this isn't like a choice of like, do you want this object or this object? You know, do you want a sword or a shield? (laughs) Like, dude, you're talking about the fate of the world here. Like, are you gonna, are you gonna, like slay this arch demon and then die to sacrifice yourself. Okay, well that's I mean the the noble thing to do. Or like you said, hey, let it possess this baby and then hope <laughs> yeah. that you can raise this baby to be good. Like, look, you and I both have kids. We know kids ain't always on their best behavior. I I can't yeah. imagine having an arch demon baby running around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, but that's the choice that you have to make. Like, these are not easy little choices. These are, like, earth-shattering major, major things. And then, like you said, the best part about all of that, like Mass Effect, Dragon Age, this is what we love about Bioware, right? Is you may not see the results of that until, like, two games later. (laughs) Yeah, where it pops back up. Right. And then you're like, wait a minute, Morgan. Wait, Morgan's kid? And she's got this teenager with her. Like, clearly, you know. Yeah, and that, of course that's you just know. so, so cool when you see that stuff pop up later. Yeah, it really is. Those are those wow moments where I wish every game could tell a story like that because that's why Dragon Age is so incredible. That's why Mass Effect's so incredible. You know, those, those games have just done such a phenomenal job of giving you little bits and pieces until you can put the whole puzzle together. And then you get to sit back and just be like, whoa, look how awesome this puzzle is. But then you have to make like this choice. Like, are you going to, you know, you're going to dump the puzzle or are you going to slap some glue on it? Like, you know, and then you've (laughs) got to make this crazy choice and it just keeps going on and on. It's phenomenal. And it's one of the reasons why I like Origins so much more than two, because in Dragon Age 2, you're the hero of Ferelden, or I think that's what his title is, but he's just like a dude who runs around and like fights stuff. Just fighting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just not as interesting Two had some fun combat, but the story itself was really lackluster inquisition. I thought came back in a huge way. I know a lot of people didn't care for it. I absolutely love it, which is why I can't wait for dragon age four, but they, they really did a good job with the lore in inquisition, which I won't talk about or ruin, but there are some reveals at the end of that game that were really interesting that are going to carry into Dragon Age 4, and I can't wait to play it. All right, and then the last one on my list, I have to bring it up. We have not talked about Heavy Rain in a while. We probably have a lot of listeners who have not heard this. In, In our early days of running the podcast, it was kind of a running joke that I would just bring Heavy Rain into any episode that I could possibly make any excuse to bring it in. Heavy Rain, okay, look, this is kind of like my love for the Fast and the Furious franchise. Like, I I understand from a critical perspective, Heavy Rain has a lot of problems, but it might be, like, my favorite game to watch somebody else play for the first time because this game is dark. This game starts with the death of one child and then the kidnapping of another. Like, that, these are, the, like, the opening credits is where your child gets hit yeah, by a car. Yeah, they don't waste any time. No time wasted. And very quickly, you find out that children have been getting kidnapped and they're being drowned in rainwater. They're being thrown into pits. And as the water level rises, they drown. And your son's been kidnapped. And you have been given a series of tasks. 
that if you complete them, it will tell you where your son is and then you can save him. And so kind of the point of the game is without giving all the reveals, the killer is actually someone who had a very complicated relationship with his father and wanted to see, are there any fathers out there that are willing to really put themselves at danger and to really cause themselves harm in order to save their child. And you know what? My Ethan was fully up for that, buddy. And I think you probably know what moment I'm talking about. Oh, I know the moment. (laughs) It's my all-time favorite gaming moment, for real. It is where you arrive at this abandoned like apartment, and there's a little phone, and you hit play, and basically the kidnapper says... All right, you need to chop off one of your fingers on camera, and I need to see it, and then I'll give you a clue for the address of your child. And then you have like a minute to do this. So the game doesn't give you a whole lot of time. And you start looking around, and there are axes, knives, scissors. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And then there are all these other things that you can use or have ready. Like you can choose to put like a piece of wood in your mouth and clamp down. And all of these decisions that you make play out very differently in how this goes. And by the way, you don't even have to do it. If you don't want to maim yourself, just walk out the door and that's fine. You can still finish the game. But if you decide to do this, your character is maimed for the rest of the game. And by far the best way to do this, I hate to say it, it's the scissors, man. I can't (laughs) believe... Josh is shaking his head, no. I... The, you got to do this with no antiseptic, no wood in your mouth. You go to town on your finger with these scissors, and Ethan is just screaming bloody murder the whole time. It is the funniest thing in the world to me. It's one of those things where like you can't really look, and you're just laughing because it's so horrible. And you get an achievement called Butcher if you That's use the terrible. scissors. So because, terrible. <laughs> because if you have to sever a finger... This is the worst way to do it. Like, use any other instrument in this house. One and but done, the scissors, buddy. man. Not scissors. It's, it's funny. It's like a it's like a two minute scene. It really is. And there's a that one of the beauty, like one of the things that the game does really well is that this timer is ticking. And so this guy says you have to do this within, like you said, I think it's like a minute or two. And so your guy instantly starts looking around, but the whole time there's a clock that's ticking down in the corner of the screen. Yeah, and everybody does something different. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like I got up and I instantly started like, Oh, let me find some antiseptic. I think I used an ax or a screwdriver or something like that. Cause I was like, I I need to whack this thing off real quick. I remember like heating up a, uh, or having a lighter so that I could cauterize it. Like I was all prepped (laughs) for the, what to do after the finger thing. You know, you were saying like when you played it, you used the scissors cause that was the most bananas thing you could think of. You know, uh, our buddy McKinney played it. I think he used something else, but he didn't do any of the antiseptic stuff or any of that. And it's just like, that's why this game now, this game's old at this point, but it still holds up because it's the how does your natural personality affect the decisions you make? And in this case, yeah. like you said, you don't have to cut off your finger. You can turn around, walk out the door. Now, you won't get the clue that says, hey, this is where your kid is. So maybe you don't find your kid. Maybe he dies at the end of the game because you didn't want to chop off. But hey, that's the choice that you made, you know, and that scene is nuts. Heavy Rain's got some really dark endings. I mean, it's the whole game is dark, but you can end the game where Ethan commits suicide and the killer gets away scot-free like or all the way to where you find and rescue your son. So it's one of those games where I remember telling you, if you fail something, don't load an old save. We're just going to keep playing because you can't, I mean, you can have a terrible ending, but you can't really fail the game. You just keep going and see what happens. But yeah, what, what an incredible scene in that game. Um, We're basically out of time. I, I do want to give a little caveat here. Two of my top moments for real. I just didn't want to talk about because we've already talked about them at length. One of them was red dead redemption Two When you kill Micah, oh, I think yes. that was just like, three or four episodes ago where I talked about how much I love that moment. And also the very end of mass effect Two, the suicide mission is incredible, but you know, previous shows we've talked about it ad nauseum. So I wanted to bring all new content. Uh, One that almost made my list was Aerith's death in final fantasy seven. 
Oh, okay. Uh, and since the sure. remake was so popular, see, now she, like, I don't want to spoil anything in the remake, but in Final Fantasy VII, Sephiroth kills her, and she's one of your companions, and she's just the sweetest person in the world. And so when she dies, that is one of those moments where you keep thinking, like, oh, he's going to wake up and this is a dream, or, you know, something... But no, and that it's just it's one of those moments where Final Fantasy VII is one of the most epic games ever made. But that scene in that game with the accompanying soundtrack that's mm. like her death. Like if you watch the video, you'll see what I'm talking about. But it's just like it's the most heartbreaking thing. And then you the next fight, like that theme plays throughout the whole next fight. So yeah. it's like her death just lingers with you for a while. And so that's one of those moments where if you're a little bit older like me, that's one of those moments that is probably going to stand out to a lot of people as one of those video game moments that was just jaw-dropping, very sad, like kind of hard to overcome for a little bit because you couldn't believe like what this game just did. And back then, like games didn't really do that a whole lot. No, and so no, it was not pretty- often. Right, it was pretty epic that they did that one. And then um, last one, since I'm talking about old games, is the... I've talked about this one, too. But the um, reveal on Samus uh, in Metroid, oh, where if you beat the game in uh, five <laughs> hours... Or you had, to beat it, you had to beat the whole game in under five hours, but then it revealed that she was a woman. And so that was like a really big thing back in the, the Nintendo days. And I know it sounds goofy now, because you're like, well, so what? But back then... They were damsels in distress, and that's it. Right. Zelda kidnapped, you got to rescue her. Princess Peach kidnapped, you got to rescue her. Like, women were very rarely a playable character, or they were very rarely ever actually in power. So, Samus, that was such a cool moment. It really was. Yeah. So, I want to play all these games again now, Paul. So, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed here this last hour talking about gaming moments. Like Josh mentioned earlier, if you want to come join us on Discord, we'd love to hear what your guys' top moments are as well. There is a link in the episode description. Also, you can come let us know on social media at Multiplayer Pod. And we would love to hear if you have any suggestions for future top five episodes. You know, there's a lot we can do, whether it's top five on a certain console or top five games that take place in space or, you know, whatever it might be. We'd love to hear if you guys have any great ideas. So come hit us up and then we will be back with our next episode on Thursday for This Week in Gaming. And now uh, I think Josh and I are going to jump into Tribes of Midgard and hopefully we'll be having some fun in that world. Oh, yeah. Let's go kill some Jotun. <laughs> All right. See you guys in a couple of days. See you, everybody. Have a, have a good week.